Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. They use science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, hopefully physical therapists, personal trainers, people who listen to this podcast. So if you need life insurance, definitely check out Health IQ to see if you qualify. Get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash HWS. And I'm so happy that they are on board with Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. So now on today's episode, I am thrilled to have on the episode Marissa Fayer. She is an 18-year med tech executive, entrepreneur, and philanthropist whose mission is to advance growth and prosperity for organizations and the communities in which they operate. Marissa is the president of Fayer Consulting, LLC, the CEO of the nonprofit Her Health EQ, a partner at LLEX Partners, and the COO of Olympian Capital, and a business owner with Arborn International. Her expertise and vision connect organizational optimization and development with responsibility to bring about a more giving global community with health and opportunity. So she is obviously wearing a ton of hats. I don't know how she does it. Well, we talk about a little bit how she does it in the episode. So What we talk about is how she stepped into the world of consultancy and philanthropy. So she was in corporate for a long time. So how do you step into that philanthropic world? I think a lot of people would be interested in that. How broadening the definition of wealth to encompass more than just material goods. We talk a lot about Her Health EQ, which brings medical equipment to women in need all over the world and the not-so-glamorous but important side of running a non-for-profit. So we often see people running non-for-profits and all the good they're doing, and it's amazing, but it's still a business, and it still needs to be run as such. So she really gets into forming a non-profit, what that means, and how it runs. So I want to give Marissa a big thank you for coming on the podcast. And if you are one of those people interested in maybe someday creating a nonprofit. And if that someday is tomorrow or a couple of years from now, this is the episode to listen to. So a big thanks to Marissa and enjoy this episode. Hi, Marissa. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you joining me today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we kind of read your short bio in the intro there, but what I would love for you is to kind of fill in the blanks for some of the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, I call myself a serial multipreneur, and um, it's only pretty recent in the last few years. Um, I kind of got sick of the corporate life and decided um, since I started businesses, why not start 100 at the same time? And um, um, so have had my consulting business for three years, um, started a uh, health business at the same time as well, and uh, just kind of kept on going. I launched uh, Her Healthy Q, which is a global nonprofit, uh, end of last year. It's been brewing for a few years, but uh, officially launched it end of last year, and that's, so that's up and running and, uh, and gaining a lot of momentum. 
Um, I recently joined as a uh, as a member at Lex Partners, and um, it's it's really exciting. Um, we connect people to capital, and um, and I'm focused on the life science side uh, of things, and um, I. I'm working on so many other things, especially in um, at Olympian Capital. I'm working on helping companies focus on capital and helping uh, individuals also gain capital and um, helping people invest and things like that. Um, so it's all just uh, really exciting. Uh, so many different things going on in life. And you know, there you do have a lot going on. But what I love to highlight on this show are. Female entrepreneurs, or as you said, a multipreneur, really kind of pushing forward and opening up doors so that other women can follow. And I feel like that's what you're doing here. And so I think it's wonderful to have you on the podcast today to talk about some of this because oftentimes a lot of women will say, well, how did she do all this? How did she get there? So can you tell a little bit about how you got to where you are now? Because I think the story behind it is always so fascinating. Yeah, so I mean, I I mean, I started as an engineer and I never thought entrepreneurship was a path for me. And um I did not um I did not grow up in an entrepreneur family. Um I didn't even know what that meant. I thought I was somebody who was lazy and did not want to work in corporate. I mean, just that that was not something I grew up with. And um my path was corporate. I was uh, that's where where I was going and and I did very well with it for four, you know for 15 years and um rising the ranks and 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 was on the you know I I became a VP and I was doing very well and I was always fighting against something and I didn't know what that was. Um, I realized that was because I wasn't meant to work for other people. And it was just, I kept on going, kept on going and kept on going and realized um, I, I just, I couldn't do it any longer. <laughs> and one day really just said, uh, I can't, I just, I can't do this. And so many people oh, throughout the years said, you should become a consultant. And I think I'm pretty sure they meant that I was supposed to uh, join like a big five consulting company. And then one day I was like, absolutely, I'm going to become a consultant. And I was just, uh, uh, I was like, okay, here's the day I'm going to do it. And, um, and then I started a consulting firm and I think everyone's like, um, no, 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 no. We meant like join a firm. And, uh, <laughs> and then I just started. Um, my advice would be not to do that, but uh, <laughs> it would be to start small, uh, start freelancing, start, uh, start going and, and figuring out kind of what you want to do first. Uh, just uh, don't take the leap and without a net. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of nice to do it. The net will appear, but it's nice to have a little bit of safety first. I, I, I was very fortunate and lucky and I had a great base behind me. I, 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 I had a base. I, I had 15 years behind me and I, I networked like crazy and I hired a coach and I, I did everything and I hustled and I made sure I made this happen for myself. And um, I, I'm an engineer and I had a master's degree in business and an MBA and I knew that I wasn't going to fail. That wasn't that wasn't a word in my vocabulary, and and it was one of those things where people told me that I, that I was going to, and I like to prove people wrong. So, uh, especially as an engineer, we create solutions. So that's what I was going to do. I was going to create the solution to not fail, and that's what I did. And I created new opportunities for myself and new ways of becoming of a, a consultant. And so I'm actually consulting in a way that is different. 
uh, from many traditional consultants, um, especially in the traditional way of how consulting was done. And that's why for me, it's a little bit more exciting than the very traditional consulting. And I think that's why I haven't gotten bored with it. It's also only a few years old. And, and, and that's also why I'm doing so many businesses because it's not so traditional. I, I think I would have gotten bored with it already um, if it was just the very traditional do one project, do another project, keep doing projects. Being engaged in so many different projects to me makes it so exciting and so many different types of projects is very exciting. So instead of just signing on, doing a project for four months, you finish the project, you move on to the next, you're, you kind of have a lot of stuff going on at one time. And is that what kind of makes you a little bit different than the traditional consulting company? Absolutely. I, um, I have my hand in several different things. I mean, my calendar is color coded by what I'm working on. And um, so that my mind can switch very quickly, being engaged in so many different things. And a lot of people say, you know, you should just really focus on one thing. Um, personally, that's just not how I work. Each person works differently. I like to be engaged in several different things at a time. Um, I seem to focus better that way to each is each person works differently. I feel more engaged working on several different things at a time. It keeps me more actually focused on each one individually and more engaged in each one. I think it's more exciting. Um, you don't get burnt out as easily, um, which I think happens very easily, especially as a consultant. You become very focused, very bored very easily, which which is very, very common for consultants. And it also makes it I find that some of these consulting projects, they don't cross, but there could be a little bit of interaction. So you learn something on one of them and you can apply it to the other one without there being obviously the, the conflict of interest. But you learn something and then you can um, take some of those learnings across um, the other side. And it's not that you're stealing proprietary information, but you've, you've learned something that... Um, it benefits somebody else, uh, um, you know, across the other side of things. And I find that working on the nonprofit side and then working on the for-profit side and then working on the finance side all ties together. And everybody wants to know what's happening on the other side, um, you know, of the aisle. And it makes it just very interesting work. And always being in finance it gets boring. Always being in consulting, it gets boring. Always being a nonprofit gets boring. So in order to keep, I think, your mind sharp, I found for me personally, and for a lot of people that I've spoken to, it's important to, to keep switching back and forth. Yeah. So it's sort of diversifying your portfolio, if you will. Exactly. Keeping exactly. things interesting. And now the thing that I love about what you do is it kind of aligns with even just the name of this podcast, Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. So you've, you've obviously, you're consulting, you're helping to build wealth for people, but I know that your definition of wealth goes beyond material goods, goes beyond money. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So... I believe in wealth through health and access to a better life. And what I'm doing really is redefining the concept of wealth so that we can realize when we actually have it. And it goes to a concept of we need to figure out what that means to us. Like what 
does wealth mean? Does that mean we're, we're just wealthy because we have material goods or, or are we wealthy because we have our health, that we can take a walk with our friends or grandchildren or, you know, we can get a glass of clean drinking water or that we can go to a clinic and get a checkup or um, we can have access to medical equipment. And, you know, that's a lot of the work that we're doing at Her Healthy Q. Um, we're making sure that this medical equipment is equitable to care for women and girls throughout the world because it's just, it's really interesting. The care that women and girls get throughout the world is not the same as the care that men get throughout the world. And it's this, it, the inequality is staggering. I found this out when I was living abroad in Costa Rica and just the healthcare systems, even if it's socialized, even if it's in, in pretty relatively well-to-do countries, women's health um, is substandard to men's health. And it's just, it, it's just, it's so unequal. And women are the ones that are quite honestly bringing up the standards and raising their families. And the fact that they're the ones that are sending their children to school, they're the ones that are making sure that um, their children are healthy and that they're going to school and they are providing for their families and that they're not getting their qual the quality of healthcare that are equal to men is just to me personally is in inexcusable. Um, so we're, what we're doing is we're working to make sure that the quality of healthcare um, is equal to that of men. And we're doing that. That's, you know, a lot of people say, let's get them the drugs. Let's do that. That's fabulous. But it comes to a point where then they need equipment. They need not diagnostics. They need equipment such as mammography machines or ultrasounds, et cetera, to help with the diagnostic care, to help with screening, you know, all of this, um, or help with surgeries or help with birth which is a very large issue. And um, so we're helping get them equipment, which a lot of people don't think about. Of course, you think about drugs um, and, and pharmacology, but you don't think about um, the equipment. So that's what we're, we're working on throughout the world. Um, and that's, that's kind of our mission. Obviously, across the world, there are different healthcare standards, and, and you sort of alluded to what you've seen in Costa Rica and, you know, we've seen things on television in third world countries. What can listeners of this podcast, what can we do to help support this mission? How can we help to make healthcare more equitable? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, come check us out at herhealthyq.org. We are looking to connect with amazing hospitals and clinics um, and right now we're working with <coughs> developing countries um, around the world and we are working typically not so much in the third world's countries because they're not ready for us. In 10 to 15 years, they will be, but you know, we're working in the second world countries and um, because those are the countries that have the security and they have the power and uh, the infrastructure and they have the issues of malaria taken care of. They, you know, they, they, they're ready for us. 
So we're looking for the connections to the hospitals. We're looking, you know, for the, the doctors that are willing to stand up and to say, you know what, women's health is important to us. We're looking for connections to the medical device manufacturers. Obviously, that is my background. Um, and that's for our background and several of the people on our board as well. But we're looking for these medical device manufacturers to step up because these are the donations of the equipment that we are looking for. And um, it's this equipment that has to be repurposed because it's sitting on the shelves right now. And what we want to do is instead of perpetuating the cycle of waste, because this equipment sits on the shelves and after a few years, if it's not used, it gets thrown out. And I know that because I've had to throw it out in a dumpster by myself. And the fact that it's metal and plastic, which does not degrade, and there's no reason for it to be thrown out, it could be repurposed. Perfectly good pieces of equipment can be given to a hospital, let's say in Jamaica or in Ghana or in India or in Indonesia or anywhere around the world. They don't care if a branding change has been made and it's been, you know, changed from blue to green. They don't care. Nobody cares. So we're looking for these medical device manufacturers to join with us and partner with us. It's great publicity for them. We know we're looking for people to take the charge. We're looking for um, organizations that want to join with us and partner with us. We're looking for people around the world and we're looking for, you know, influencers who want to make, you know, make a stand for this. This is a new health revolution that needs to, um, you know, take a stand. A lot of people have made a stand for uh, water and for, you know, and, and for malaria and for HIV. And this is the new health evolution and health revolution that needs to happen. And I'm obviously, obviously taking a stand for it. And there needs to be voices behind it. And that's kind of what we're looking for. And, um, you know, this is the work that needs to happen um, and where other people have, have stopped and uh, this is where we are. So that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, and uh, we're always looking for people to, to, to join the cause and, and to help us out. And, and we're always looking for advocates and, and to spread the word. That's, that's kind of where we are. Awesome. Well, I think we can easily help spread the word. That'd be great. Yes. And then on that note, we're going to take a really quick break to hear from our sponsor, Health IQ. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you as an engineer kind of moved into this philanthropic side of the business. So stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, and more. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ, and you must qualify to get the special rate. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash H-W-S. And hello, everyone. We are back. I am talking with Marissa Fayer about her life from corporate to consulting to philanthropy. And now she, Marissa's background is an engineer. And so what I would love to know is how does an engineer who is working in the corporate world, who then moved into consulting, get into the philanthropy side of the business? Because I know we all have good in us 
we all want to do good for other people and there's always lessons to be learned. So please share with us some lessons so we can try and move into that direction ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 there, it wasn't on purpose. Let me just say that it was, I was, I, it was so ridiculous. I, I, I'm pretty sure I was sitting around. Um, I was living in Costa Rica at the time because I was transferred there as an engineer. Uh, I, I, I was working for a company. Um, I, I was doing a lot of M&A work. I was helping a company um, really ramp production up. Um, I was um, doing medical device work. I was sitting there with a friend of mine. We were just chit-chatting. It was a Saturday night. I probably had, you know, a few drinks in me already. And we're just chatting. And she runs, she was running a, an organization dedicated for women's health. And we were just chit-chatting. And somehow we got into the topic of women's health. And women were dying in this region in Costa Rica. And again, no idea how we got on the topic. A few drinks, whatever. And um, she said, you know, women are dying of breast cancer. And um, I said, well, why is that? She said, I, I'm pretty sure their mammography machine broke. And I said, well, you know, that's what we make. Like, I'll just get you one. And uh, she was like, okay. I was like, all right, great. Like, and, and that was it. And I, and like, okay, great. Well, whatever. And it's that uh, easy. I, I, yeah. And I think like that was it. And then I think like, you know, three days later she was like, um, were you serious? And I was like, about what? You know? And I was like, she was like, I don't know, like we were talking about getting a mammography machine and I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess, let me try. And that was kind of how the, the, the idea of her healthy Q started and uh, it, her healthy Q started and I was just kind of like, hmm, all right, let me, let's see if we could do this. I mean, we make them, how hard can it be? Yeah, I, I just kind of started that and I figured we make like how, really, how hard could it have been? I mean, listen, it was hard. I mean, there is no qualms about it. There's a lot of red tape that happens to get a very large piece of equipment into a different country with a lot of regulations. Thank God there's a lot of really good people who helped, you know, make that happen and taught me a lot of great lessons. It did happen. Um, and that's kind of where the seeds started. But as an engineer, like we we try to fix things and try to find solutions and that's how it happened and I tried to solve a problem and that was the problem and that's how it happened and it happened over you know a few cocktails and isn't that always the way uh, yeah I feel like we should happen in a bar right just everyone have cocktails something always good tip most things happen <laughs> you know <laughs> so, yeah, most maybe. most good things most good ideas come from when you're kind of kicking back with a cocktail in a bar because you're just kind of free and letting your mind go and seeing what happens right yeah, I mean I know this is a health you know podcast but you know maybe just red wine yeah no 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 we, we we're okay we're okay with the two. wine here yeah no, no more than that maybe yeah. maybe I'll put that caveat in from now on <laughs> But yeah, I think um, that's really how it happens. I mean, and then because of that, I saw I saw the need for something else, and I also saw that there was waste in the industry, and I I was trying to figure out what to do with that. There was there was waste. There was a need. I'm an engineer. We connect. We figure out how to make things better, and um, because that's just how my mind works. I just put the two together and figured 
why not why not do this like there has to be a better way and that's how i went from engineer to philanthropist there was no master plan i mean i definitely have to say that i wish that there was um because i would have start, started this way earlier so that we could have helped more people earlier um you know in my lifetime but it's just kind of the way that it happened and when it happened and i'm grateful that it has and we're going to help as many people as we can for for the rest of my foreseeable lifetime and hopefully you know for forever when people think of starting a nonprofit it's not as easy as as one may think right because there is like legal paperwork you do need to have people on a board you need to have advisors so can you talk a little bit about that aspect of it so we always hear about the we're helping all these people aspect of it, but there's a business side to it too, right? Oh, for sure. So there's definitely the business side of it. There's um, the incorporation uh, documents, and I am grateful to have a father who is an attorney. So um, I am able to make one phone call and to say, hey, dad, I am starting a nonprofit. He's like, what's the name of it? I'm like, this is it. He was like, you know, here, and you know, like lots of documents. So there's letters of incorporation, there's board documents, there's filing paperwork. You obviously have to file with the IRS. You have to get legal um, tax ID numbers. That paperwork has to go in and you don't get your letters of incorporation and your tax ID. It takes a minimum of 12 months. It could be upwards of 18 months. The way to get around that so that you can accept donations um, is to go with a fiscal sponsor. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. Uh, we were blessed to be able to figure that out early on. Somebody told us, thank God. Um, so we've actually been operating under a fiscal sponsor. Um, it's like I check the mail, I swear, every day. Um, waiting for our 501c3 to, to come through. Um, but we operate under a 501c3, so we were able to be legal. Then there is the board. So we have a board of directors. We also have a board of advisors. Um, board of directors have legal rights and voting rights. Board of advisors are that board of advisors, but they don't have legal rights. They're different due structure. There's different legal structures. Um, and we're always trying to um, increase both of those just to, to make sure that they're as strong as possible. Um, you wanna have the right people on them. There has to be obviously diversity in strengths and you wanna have the right people that, you know, we're always striving to, because we are in the health space, we're always trying, striving to have, you know, somebody as a, as a doctor, you always want somebody in finance, you always want somebody who's a nonprofit, you always want to, you know, different strengths, you always want somebody as legal counsel, things like that. Then you always want somebody in regulatory, you know, like there's all these different things that you want to have. Um, and then you always want people who actually like are really into the mission, um, and then you need um, a board chair who's actually going to, who, who is more or less as passionate about it as I am. And then there's an executive director who's taking care of the day-to-day. -day. I don't want to hand out receipts all day. Like, I'm passionate about it. I want to speak about it. I want to do all of that. Um, but I don't want to have to, and it's not that I have to, but like, I don't want to have to um, deal and talk to the interns all day. And there's a lot of day-to-day -day work that goes on. Um, so there's an executive director that deals with the day-to-day. 
um, and also does a lot of the grant work. So that's another part of the nonprofit is um, grant writing and applying for grants and receiving grants and then the financial side of, of dealing with grants. So that's the other side of nonprofits is doing that side of the business. Um, I don't understand that at all. Thank God for uh, Michelle, who's our executive director. She, um, she comes from the nonprofit space. She understands grants. I don't understand where they come from. I don't understand that world in the least. Um, she is incredibly gifted. She knows everybody and everything. And um, it's like she, she lives in that world. And I don't even know what she's talking about most of the time, which is fabulous, um, which is why we're a great pair. <laughs> and that's kind of what creating that leadership structure looks like. You know, we're very virtual. We don't, uh, right now, we don't have an office. We do have a virtual assistant who helps us with a lot of marketing plans. And, you know, what we're doing with the board is making sure that there's diverse people. So we have somebody who helps us with um, some marketing. We're going to have somebody who is helping us with PR. We're having, you know, we're helping, we're asking people from the board to kind of help us because as a startup, that's really what you need. You know, I don't think people really understand the amount of work that goes into creating what we see as this nonprofit helping people from around the world. So I'm glad that you kind of went into the weeds there and gave us all those details. And I can't believe it takes like a year. Oh my God, that's a minimum. Just, just to get the 501c3 designation. You would think that they would like throw it at you, be like, oh my God, you're helping people. It's just because they have so many people. And it's wonderful that there's so many people who, people who actually want to start them. But the process of like, it's just they're so bogged down in paperwork, quite honestly, um, that they can't, they just can't go through it fast enough. Um, and it's also, yeah, there's just, it's, it's, it's really just crazy. And I think that people don't understand really, it, like it could be a full-time job and, and people are like, oh my God, it's great that you started a nonprofit. I'm like, mm, yeah. And I also run like other businesses and, and, and people are like, oh, that's so great. You're helping people. And I'm like, yeah, you do you know that there's a lot of work, and and I think I think people need to understand that it's it like it's a business. Nonprofits are businesses, and the best ones actually operate as businesses, and um and that's what people really need to understand. And and the most important thing is nonprofits do need money, and people need to understand that. And that as such as a business need money. Nonprofits need money as well, and that they need to operate leanly. It's a business. Like, they need operating cash. They need to pay their staff. They need to keep going, just like any other business would. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's a, really, it's a really interesting model and kind of not something I was maybe prepared for when I started. Right, but now you've got it down pat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, today. Yeah, which is, which is <laughs> kind of amazing, you know, to be able to take all of these businesses, running them simultaneously, and still do good for the world. And I think that's something to really be commended. So I congratulate you on all of that. Now, before we uh, finish up here, I have a question that I ask all of my guests. And that is, knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Let's say you just graduated from college. So I would say to figure out what your passion is and to go for that. And it could, you could find it 
in a year, in five years, 25 years, whatever. Follow your passion. And it could change. My original passion was space. It is, it always will be. I mean, I was... Like outer space? Outer space. Oh, like, cool. Like the, the SpaceX Falcon Heavy just launched and mm -hmm. I am like glued to the computer watching it and like just dying over myself right now and like still watching the car with the man in it like st I mean still literally staring at the computer watching it I mean dying that I wish like that was me floating in space right now complete a passion completely a passion of mine but my passion changed to women's health in 25 years like I don't know is it going to change to something else I have no idea, but currently my passion is women's health. Women's health. I'm not saying that it's a fickle passion, but like it is a gigantic passion. Um, but find your passion and do something with it and motivate yourself to follow that. But it's also don't look back and just say like, I wish I did that. There's very few things that I, I look back and say like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. Like mm, just, just do it. Like everything that you have done has taken you to a place and move forward because it all has given you experiences. Listen, so many times I say like, oh, I wish I went to business school instead of engineering. But if I didn't go to engineering school, I would not have gotten all the experience that I've had. I would not have had the jobs that I've had. I would not have had the mind that I have to be able to have these experiences, to get, in, you know, to have gone to all these companies, to have this experience, to be able to have this passion for women's health and had you know, formed her healthy queue. With, with business school, what? Maybe I would have a lot of money and I'd have houses in other places. I, I, who knows? Who knows where that would take me? I could be miserable. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Like we said, kind of going back to the beginning of our talk, that wealth is so much more than material goods. Exactly. So you have no idea what that looks like. And because of everything that I had and I've gone through, this is exactly where I am. So I don't want to look back. So, you know, my advice to my younger self is just live with what you have and where you are right now and, and just look forward and, and live with passion because this is your one life. And that is great advice and something that I think I need to probably have on repeat or maybe put up on my refrigerator or something like that to kind of keep pushing forward and looking forward. So thank you so much for that advice. And now where can people find more information about you if they want, if they have questions, they want to talk about anything from consulting to nonprofit. So you have a, a breadth of knowledge here. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, you know, find me on my website, marissafayer.com. Everything's there. And uh, I really look forward to, to connecting with all of uh, your listeners. And um, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. This was great. And I think that my takeaways here are, one, that you don't have to let one job sort of dictate the rest of your career. And that it's okay to branch off and to do, like you said, to follow your passion. It's okay to branch off into other things. You can do more than one thing at once. Um, but if it works for you, then go for it. So thanks for all your advice. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I'm so happy I was on. All right. And everyone else out there listening, thanks so much for taking your time out of the day and listening to us chat and have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. So a big thank you to Marissa for sharing all that great knowledge. And of course, thank you to our sponsor for today's show, Health I 
Q. So like I said earlier, they use science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like listeners of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. And 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash HWS. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.